Welcome to Our Family Stories, the only podcast that shares stories about my awesome family. We have the Waits, the McKinleys, the Smolens, the Crofts, and the Clausens. And we have a few visitors here and there. I love you guys, and I hope you all enjoy this episode of Our Family Stories. One memory I have of dad is early on when I joined the family, I, I don't know how often I've heard him say this, but for some reason it's something that has stuck with me, is uh, early on as I've known dad, he would he'd flex his muscle, his bicep, and he'd slap it and he'd say, can't hurt steel, can't hurt steel. And for some reason, that's always stuck with me. And I always like to do my impression of that. And I love that. Um, and uh, I love Dad's strength. And I think his strength transcends just the physical into the spiritual, into the mental. I think he's a very tough individual. And I've loved and enjoyed being around that toughness and having the opportunity to to soak it up. I certainly feel lucky, as I'm sure all of us do, to have him in our lives. And he's always been there as a pillar of strength. So today's episode, we're going to dive into some school stories and some school memories that he has. And I think you'll all love it. Thanks, Dad, so much for spending some time with me, and I'm excited to share this episode with you all. Let's let it roll. That was with you. <laughs> Good thing you did. Um, so we're just sitting here with Dad. He's been telling me some funny stories already, but we're uh, going to be talking about high school memories and junior high memories. And you said there was a spot you wanted to start off when you were like 11. When I was 11 and a half years old, I, well, my dad bought a property out on Cove Avenue and Willow Street. It's a, it was the southeast corner of that. And uh, it's kind of important because I changed grade schools. And by changing grade schools, I had a kind of, make myself proven with all the other kids so it was kind of funny josh asked me who my first girlfriend was and linda neviker when i was four and five years old she was my girlfriend she lived across the street and it's it was really funny because when we moved to cove avenue she lived across the street and the willow school was only a block away so oftentimes we walked together to the school but we never have any dating aspirations or anything like that. In the sixth grade, uh, she had another lady, our girl, her cousin was uh, Sally Navarker. And then they had a cousin, Ivan Hibbert, went to that same school. And one of my good friends, uh, Ralph uh, Hill. And this was kind of the, the people that went to church with us all the time, and we knew each other. So I remember I loved sports, and so in that fall, I was in, in the sixth grade, we started to play football, and we went down to Greenwood Field, which is across from Greenwood Grade School, and they had it all lined up, and uh, because I was from Riveria, I played with two cousins over there that were really good football players. And my uncle was standing the football game. So on the kickoff, they kick it, they kicked it right to me. I picked up the ball. I ran directly up the uh, field and my small cousin, who was turned out to be all American four years in a row, tried to grab my flag and I ran right directly over him. And my <laughs> uncle was, yelling at the referee, that's a personal foul, you can't run over people. <laughs> I said it was football. 
<laughs> anyway, I don't know how it turned off. I got penalized or anything like that. Can't even remember the score, but I remember my uncle yelling at me. <laughs> and so we played football. I can't remember any of the rest of the football game if we won or, or uh, lost them. But my friend Ivan Hibbert was very quick and very fast. And he, he, uh, he wasn't in the sports, so his dad was our scoutmaster. He lived a block away, just east of us, one block. And that's the Hibbert, Mark married Karen Hibbert, uh, one of his daughters. But, but Ivan and I and Milo, and we had a, a bunch of teenagers that we all liked to run around with each other. In basketball, that same being in Willow School, uh, Central, who was a bigger uh, grade school than we were, we're, we were the smallest. But anyway, they had, I don't know, probably three or four, six grades. We had one. And they never was beat in basketball, but they came down to play us at Willow. They beat us by one point. And we had a bunch of scrubs, really. I mean, I, Ivan was quick, and Ralph, he turned out to be, he was our 98-pounder uh, in, in wrestling in high school. So, you know, he wasn't very big. Then there was me and a couple other guys. None of us uh, went on to play high school sports, but our basketball, where Central had my cousin Rich, who was an uh, all-state basketball player, and our whole uh, half of our uh, varsity team, when they become high school, were on that basketball team. So we went up to Central. They beat us by one point on our our uh, home court, we went up there and beat them by six or eight points. And this is the first game they ever were beaten at. And so they were crying. And I was always giving my cousin a bad time because I was six days older than he was. I was born on March 19th. He was born on March 25th. But he was an, he was an excellent basketball player. But so we had a tournament. And so... We tied at the end of regulations, 29-29, and the coaches decided, well, let's just leave it at that and not play at all. <laughs> just So my cousin could hardly ever live it down to a bunch of uh, punks like we were, could go out there and beat them. Also, and I, I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed basketball, but I knew I couldn't make the, the, the team in uh, junior high. So I didn't ever go out for basketball. Uh, we had, there was no football in the seventh grade, but in the eighth grade we had a football team, which I as a member of, I played tackle and uh, defensive and offensive tackle. And my cousin played and, and, and I had another, Lauren Wessensko, he, he was uh, really tall, about 6'3", for, but, uh, Six six three at, in eighth grade, or he ended uh, up being six three. Grade. When he when he ended up, he was about six three. Okay, and uh, so they had all the good basketball players, and and but I church played like to play church ball, basketball, and because I wasn't on the varsity team, or, or I played with a kind of a scrub team that, and we won a lot of games, and it was fun playing basketball. I wasn't. Didn't know if I was ever great at it or not, but when I was a senior in high school on basketball, I just, we were about ready to graduate. We were 18. I played with my Richard, uh, my cousin Richard, Dwight, and Lord Westensko, and a bunch of college players from the college, Eastern Oregon College, wanted to play basketball against us, play game. So we made arrangements, and they came down and we walloped them. But the funny thing about it was they didn't think I could score, but that's the best game I ever had. I scored 18 points because <laughs> they left me alone, and they were basically looking after Richard and Lauren because they were pretty good basketball. And then my uh, Johnny Hunts, my other cousin, was very quick and very fast. He played on the varsity team, too. But uh, beat that college team we thought was kind of good, or players of the college. Yeah, that is, that is pretty awesome. 
But uh, I always liked sports. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about growing up. Uh, my brother, Grant, he was uh, three years older than I was. So when he was 18 and I was 15, uh, a bunch of church members got together. There's Kenny Verzell and, and Howard Perry and myself and Grant. And, and uh, anyway, we come up with a scrub volleyball team. But these guys were all 18 and I was only uh, 15. They might have been 17. Some might have been 17. But we got to play volleyball and we went over and put, beat Pendleton. We beat Baker. We beat Union. And, and we, we thought, well, we have a pretty good volleyball team. And so they, we had regionals. Back then they had what they called the all-church volleyball team. And we went down to uh, Portland and beat that team down there. And then they, I think we had to go to maybe Pocatello next. And we beat some of the teams there. And, and we, we were getting thinking, well, we might be pretty good. We didn't know. And then... Uh, we went to all church that they called all church, and uh, I think we won one or two games down there. But they had what I did remember about all church. We went to Deseret Gym. Uh, there was an old gymnasium that was owned by the church, which a lot of the general authorities worked out in. But what we found shocking to us is they had Coca Cola and Pepsi Cola. Uh, uh, Vending machines. Vending machines. <laughs> and uh, we, we were brought up that we shouldn't drink Coca-Cola or caffeine. And it was kind of shocking, but I lost our testimony. <laughs> but that's, that was pretty shocking because we were, we were in La Grande, Oregon. We were, you know, three or four hundred miles away from, from uh, Zion. <laughs> and it kind of shocked us that they would have a Coke machine in Desperate. So you said on that team, Grant was on that team? Yeah, Grant. So I never pictured Grant as an athlete I don't know much about this, but did he play much? Did he play very many sports? Yeah, he did. Uh, one thing, he went up to the college and they wanted him to wrestle. The wrestling coach wanted him to wrestle because he held the record by sitting on the, the floor and going hand over hand going up the rope. You know, they had about a 30-foot rope that he uh -huh. could go hand up, hand over hand and go all the uh -huh. way up, showing that he had a lot of strength to do that. And Grant at that time was probably around 200 pounds. So he was a 200-pounder and he held the record for getting up the 30-foot yeah, rope I, the quickest? Yeah, that was really quick. I can't remember the time. But, wow. Uh, and he played with all our cousins and stuff like that, different sports. Uh, we played at family reunions and church reunions and stuff like that. We always played sports after we ate. And uh, Grant did all right. Uh, very strong. But I'll tell you a little later what probably made him strong. But we, uh, So I was about 15 years old. We got back there on the volleyball championship. Or we were trying to get to the championship game. But we ran into some California teams that had a bunch of Samoans on it. They used their feet to kick off the ball and pick it up, and, and uh, we never won. We came home. But it was a good experience for us to, to run into the teams like that. So they, like, kick the ball during serves and stuff? Yeah, they could pick it up off the floor with their feet because uh -huh. they were brought up playing probably soccer or uh -huh. their football. But they were good. And but we ran into some BYU teams that some of the wards down there, you know, had ex basketball players and stuff like that. But we did, we were just a bunch of hillbillies <laughs> going out <laughs> of and playing. But we got pretty good at it, and I really enjoyed playing volleyball. But then I uh, went on. My junior high was about I would say two to three miles away from our home. Uh, and we had to walk that every day. They didn't provide a bus. And so we got used to walking up and down the, you know, from that place to, even if it was snowing or raining or what like that, walking to junior high. <laughs> and our church was only a, a block away from from uh, the junior, junior high then. And uh, 
we were about three or four blocks away from my high school. But I was always very, very active. I remember going and being interviewed by the bishop uh, for becoming a deacon. And I was a deacon at age 12. Also, on April 6, uh, 1958, I received my patriarchal blessing, age 12. I was only, I turned uh, 12 at March 19th, and I received my patriarchal blessing on April 6, 1958. So, to me, that sounds pretty early. Was that was that early by that day's standard, or was that like what, a common thing? Why it was no, it wasn't very common. What happened is my dad loved the patriarch, and he was moving, so he had, he requested that oh. I receive my patriarchal blessing from him. Okay. And uh, so I did, and it was a beautiful blessing. I thought it was, everybody had a, a blessing like mine, but later on I was on a work mission, and my supervisor asked if I could send for my patriarchal blessing. He would like to read it, and he did, and he says, I received some great blessings. I thought everybody received the great blessings, but I could talk about it some other time. But So we got used to walking, you know, three miles to school, and or two and a half miles, I have to, it's quite a ways up there, and three miles home. Some of my first jobs I had was, I was a paper boy. I had my own paper route, and I, instead of walking home, I'd walk down to the Observer paper and get, you know, I think about 40 papers, and then I'd go on my route and pass them out on the way home, and made me a little money there, here and there. After a year or so, I got tired of it and asked my dad and mom if I could, uh, instead of doing a paper out, just pick up some paper from the Observer and take it down to some businesses and get rid of them. And they said that was okay. But the businesses we went to are the bars. They had about five or six bars. So we get out of junior high and we run down to the, the paper office and grab, I don't know, 10 or 15 papers buy them from and then we run down to the, the bars and distribute it and get rid of our papers. I don't know they thought we were going, we didn't tell them we were going to businesses, but <laughs> I did that for a couple of years and earned some money. It was kind of fun. And uh, in the summertime, when I think I was about 14, maybe 12, my brother Mark Grant uh, hauled hay for my Uncle Leo. And he paid him so much, and I, I was I drove the hay truck, where they walked on, along and threw hay bales upon the, the truck, and then we'd take the truck in into the haystack and stack it and go out for another load of hay, and I think that's where Grant and Mark got the strength is doing hay all summer, and I remember, if I. Um, missed the bale and hit it. They liked me drive it uh, as close as I can to the hay bale so they wouldn't have to walk very far to throw it and we could put a lot of hay up that way. But every once in a while I run over a, a hay bale and made my brother Mark Hargrant and they'd come up and slug me in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so I got pretty tough that way. <laughs> I tried not to hit any bales, but, you know, being that young and driving a hay truck, I never drove before in my life. Wait, how old were you when, the, when you were doing oh, this? Oh, I was probably 13, 14, I would say. <laughs> but I did that for two or three summers, and I got fairly good at it. <laughs> so when you hit the hay bale, would it, like, fall apart? or? Yeah, it would burst the, the twine on it, and they'd have to go rebale it. And so oh, okay. it made, they didn't like that when they had to go do that. And I tried not to hit them, but I have did hit them every once in a while, but <laughs> I remember them, uh, there used to be a lot of field mice out in under the hay bales, and they would uh, grab the bales and throw them up, and mice would go every which way. <laughs> it really interesting. That I did for a three or four summers, and then I had, uh, I got hay fever real bad, and if I had, I had to watch myself. 
<coughs> I got in a bunch of uh, hay dust in my eyes or it used to swell up. Then when I was about, I would say, 14 years old, there's a farmer, his name is Russell Elmer, and he wanted a bunch of uh, kids to pick rye out of a sweet field. I guess that would make his wheat a little better, plus it gave us some money to work. And so we, I went out there, and I only did it for one day. The pollen in the rye closed my eyes so I couldn't see. So wow. I stayed I stayed away from that. And we had boys and girls out out doing hay, and, and some of the boys and girls got together. And it was kind of a, I had a laugh that... Uh, they were getting paid. <laughs> they would go out and lie in the rye. <laughs> they play around in the rye. Lie in their rye. Yeah. <laughs> but I was always active in church. At age 12, being a deacon, they had an award after the end of the year. If you had 100%, they would give you a, a certificate with 100%. And I, I did that for several years. But I think when I was a priest, they decided that people couldn't get 100 cents, so they went to 90 to 100 percent. It kind of made me upset because I was always 100 percent. I thought if you're going to get a 100 percent badge or a sticker, you should be 100 <laughs> percent. They didn't. They changed it to 90 to 100. But uh, so I always went to church. My dad was the ward clerk uh, always, and my mother was in the primary always either a, a counselor or the primary president or a teacher or something. Later on, she uh, got a, 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 a badge that had over 50 years of service in the primary. She started at age 12 playing on the piano for uh, junior primary in her ward, and she could play the piano in primary songs. And she, had, she did that for years, and then they made her a teacher and a counselor. Eventually went on to be in the state primary presidency. I don't think she ever was a primary, uh, a state primary president, but she was a counselor for several years. And the funny thing, they would have to come and pick her up because she didn't know how to drive. She never, ever, about two or three times in my life, I saw my mother drive. <laughs> but I thought that was interesting. Who would who would pick her up? Just some of the other ladies. Yeah, some of the other ladies in the ward, or the, even the primary president would come and pick her up, and or she would walk to church from from where she lived. Sometimes, like I said, it was about three miles. Three miles round trip, or three one miles way. to the church. One way. So she'd walk three miles to get to her meetings or whatever she needed to do, and then walk home. Yeah, or have wow. somebody come by and pick her up. A lot of times, the uh, ladies would come by and pick her up. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so he's always active in the church. I don't think of very often we ever miss the church. Uh, of course, my dad was the ward clerk, and he always had to be there. And, and uh, they, we were always active. And it was always a thrill to hear my dad or mama uh, bear their testimony and how church, how true the church really was. And, and so I was, I grew up in the church. Uh, in the church, we have the scouting program. I've been, I was really interested in scouts. As a Cub Scouts, got my, they used to have wolf on uh, Bobcat, then wolf, then bear, and then lion. And then below and I achieved all that, and I had several arrow points that I enjoyed scouts. And I, at uh, 12 years old, I became a, you had to be 12 to become a Boy Scout. They changed that since, and they started making boys 11. Mm -hmm. And, but we had to be 12, and that's when we became, we have 12 to 18 to make Eagle, and I, was interested in the scouting program, so I achieved my eagle when I was 15 years old. And uh, Eugene Hibbert was our scoutmaster, and that's Ivan Hibbert's dad, and Milo Hibbert, and, and Karen Hibbert's dad. They only lived a block from us. So uh, when I was on my mission, I learned that he uh, passed away from a heart attack. He was up to Spring Creek, where we went several times up in the winter to 
sled and, and go go camping. It's kind of sad to hear that he died, but it was uh, he was a good scoutmaster. I think in order to be a good scout, you have to have a good scoutmaster. Yeah. It makes a difference, all the difference in the world. It does. <coughs> so a lot of you had to do back then. Did you have to do an eagle project like we did? No, we had no eagle project. Oh, so they didn't do that. Then. We had to have twenty-one merit badges, and certain certain ones had to be, you know, like citizenship of the nation, citizenship of the community, citizenship of the home. And I mean, there's required merit badges we had had, but we didn't have any eagle project. So when I was sixteen, I received my eagle award, and it was at a campery and. Uh, it was kind of nice to still remember getting it and kind of the attention they paid to you. Uh, talk about some of the activities in school. Of course, I always enjoyed sports. I played, I, I don't think I was the most outstanding athlete. There's other athletes better, but, uh, but I enjoyed it and I played hard and when I was a senior in high school, I received the award. There's four of us. They called him the print, our king of the football. And I had uh, the three princes were my three cousins, or my two cousins and myself. Reed Brady, he was, uh, he was about 6'2 and 170 pounds, really strong. But when I was a, a sophomore, I decided to wrestle. Wrestling was new to LeGrand, and so I decided to try out for the team. And I was on junior varsity, and I had, oh, a half a dozen matches. I can't remember my record. I won some and lost some. But I only weighed, I had to weigh in at 160 pounds. And, uh, and how tall were you at that time? Oh, probably about 5'11". Okay. But... Uh, that was pretty thin. Uh, that summer, when I was 16 years old, I uh, went to work for Oregon State Board of Forestry, which to fight forest fires. And we stayed out on a, a compound next to Legrand. And my cousin Warren was with me, and I had another cousin was up in the uh, lookout towers to spot the fires, and they liked him so much they decided to hire me, so I got on with them and to fight forest fires. But we fought forest fires. We don't do like they do nowadays to watch forest fires. We went out and put them out before they got too big. And the largest uh, forest fire I fought was on my uncle's land. It was about 1,200 acres, and it was just happened to be on my uncle's land. Uh, it's out on uh, Mount... Uh, Lad Canyon, but he had a ranch out there and the burned half his ranch and half the trees. And how the forest that fire started, it, it uh, we had a large power line running through the forest, and you know, 20 years ago, they they cut all the trees and made a path for the for the lines. But after 20 or 25 years, they grew up. And this one tree was slapping against the big power lines and sending big balls of fire down the, down the tree. Wow. And, uh, the wind was going about 30 or 40 miles an hour, and it just swept up over. And as soon as my uh, fire warden I was with, he called in and said, we need help. And we're only five miles from the Grand. Mm -hmm. So they sent three pumper trucks out there. And there's a logging road that went across the face of the mountain. So my fire warden had the, because uh, it's so close, he had the assistant fire warden out there. And we lined up. We were going to stop the fire. It went right over. They call it topping out. went right over the top of us. He was all excited. And uh, the kid I worked with, uh, he was 16 years old. He had a kind of a heat stroke. And, and he was taken to the hospital, but we were lucky to win and lose a bunch of other people because this went right over top of us so fast because the wind was blowing so hard. And, but it's an interesting thing. My dad taught me how to fight forest fire. He said you never go down chasing it over the hill because 
it creates an updraft and it chases you to the top. Usually you can stop at the top, and that's what happened to that fire. We finally, the cats, we had a couple of cats on that fire, and we finally stopped at the top, but it, it burned like 1,200 acres before we got stopped. When you say cats, are you talking about tractors? Or what are you yeah, talking? we called them cats. It was, uh, oh, you've seen the caterpillars, the yellow cats. Yeah. We had a little uh, guy that really knew a lot about how to fight four with cats, and he made a, a trail, and then we would backfire back to the fire, so leave a, you know, the burn dairy. But we put them out as fast as we got them. And uh, that was very interesting, some of that uh, work that we did. And I worked two years for him. And had some interesting experiences by fighting forest fire. One time I was fighting a forest fire and, and we put it out. It was about 30 acres. We sent a pumper truck out there and we used to just work our tails off that so it wouldn't get very big. And we put it off. And I was clear across the other, uh, across the burnt field. It was in some forest timber. It was still smoking. We were trying to doing some cleanup work, but it got dark on us, and the pumper truck was, oh, I would say 200 yards away, and and uh, my cousin was following me, and I, we were walking across the fire to go back there. I looked down there, and I saw a little rattlesnake. I said, hey, Ward, there's a rattlesnake. He says, ah. He looked at, hey, it's really a rattlesnake. But we had a either a hazel hole or a shovel or something. I remember cutting off his head. And, and uh, the the system, I mean, the fire warden could see us coming across the field. Our headlamps were going back and forth looking for steak anymore. <laughs> we kind of scared to death. But he, said, he, he said it was kind of funny. <laughs> On the pumper truck, they always carried uh, a bunch of canned foods. Mm -hmm. And one thing they had is what they call black bread in these cans. And, and then they had like canned meat and stuff like that. We used, we used to when we were out on a fire, we couldn't get back in time. It ate out of the grub box, but it was kind of fun. And that was the biggest fire, and then we fought several other fires. But it was good, because that was my summer job in the summer. We'd go in there probably in June, uh, and then they paid us so much a month, and we stayed there, and they bought all our meals. That's a good deal. Yeah, it was. And I went... I mentioned I weighed 160 pounds. I get down to 160 drives for 160 steps. And uh, time I was a senior, I weighed about 220 <laughs> because every meal they they uh, provided uh, meat and they fed us like potato salad. And in the breakfast we had sausage and bacon and because we had to build up our protein, but. Uh, Working hard and uh, fighting fires it made you grow big. So I I probably wrestled 220 the senior year. So were you wrestling against other guys that were similar? Were they similar weight? Were you bigger than other people? Was anybody bigger than you? Oh yeah, there. One guy from Pendleton he weighed uh, about three 320 I think. I weighed about 220. Really? Yeah, he you had was 100 big. pounds on you. He was big. And I beat him one nothing because when when I went after him, he turned and ran off the mat. They gave me a point for for him running running off the mat. He laid on me and I laid on him for three rounds. So why did he why did he run away? Because I I don't know. I guess I was going to grab his leg or something. Anyway, he turned and ran and off he, the and mat. And he tried to retreat a little bit and he ran off and the I, mat. And I, I got beat a point. him one nothing. <laughs> and, Were you uh, able to take him down then? No, it, we just we stood you up. You just sort of just went back and forth, yeah, back, and back and forth, forth, but you just got that point when from he, him running off. When he got off. on top of me, I, like, I couldn't get up. He laid on me. <laughs> so when I got him, I always grabbed his ankle and put him down so he couldn't get up either. <laughs> but he was the biggest guy in high school, I thought. Another experience I had in high school, we rest, wrestled in a invitational match put on by Eastern Oregon College. And some guy from uh, Boise came. His name was Frank Bosch. He was about 6'6". 
and probably weighs 280 pounds. But he was a pretty good wrestler. He beat me, but uh, I gave him a better match than what he thought it was. I got third in that invitational tournament. And then in state, there was a guy down in band that beat me during the regular season, and he beat. Uh, I got placed third in the in our conference, and I had to wrestle, wrestle him, and he beat me. And he got second in Oregon State. He was a pretty good wrestler. He was bigger than I was and pretty strong. But I enjoyed it. I thought third was, was good, but they only took the first two people from your conference to go back to the state. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I did a lot in sports. Uh, I didn't really have any girlfriends in, in high school. My brothers both went on missions, and they didn't have girlfriends. And I don't know whoever told us, but if you had a girlfriend, you, you sometimes it's harder to go on missions than, you know, if you had a girlfriend. Cause mm-hmm. Fall in love and you want her to stay, you know, as you went on your mission. But so I kind of went after my two older brothers and and not had any girlfriends in high school. Uh, but so what? So what was what? What was your high school? La Grande Senior High School. And how many? How many kids did you I graduate would say with? Eight hundred kids in the school. Uh, we had two uh, one hundred ninety-eight. We graduated out of my class and because we're what you call war babies and baby boomers mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that uh, the class after was about 50 or 60 more when when we were seniors and they were juniors and uh that's how big the high school was it wasn't huge but you know it wasn't so really small either Right, right. They called us a penny group because we're one ninety-eight. Penny used to have all this, you know, one dollar and ninety-eight cents or three dollars and ninety-eight cents. That's funny. So, um, what were some of back then? Do you remember any of the styles or fads or things that were popular that you can that you can remember? Oh. Uh, we had some strange music. I remember the one about the witch doctor. Yeah. And Nancy Wincy Teeny Beanie Bikini or whatever it was. <laughs> Etsy Wincy And uh, then we had songs like Little Letterman and the, the Beatles. I remember when I was a senior in high school, the Beatles came over and sang in, in Ed Sullivan. So I always liked the Beatles music. I thought they had interesting music. Uh I'll tell you some later on stories when you when you talk about my mission and stuff like that. But uh, one thing we did do is a lot, a lot of was we had you probably want to know about dances and stuff like that. Yeah. In mutual, you know, you always with the beehives and the mermaids and mermaids. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what do they call them? Mermaids. Mermaids. Anyway, anyway, we had dances and stuff like that. I went to a few, but I wasn't too interested in dancing. And we had a couple of private properties, uh, parties that we, I went to that we had dances and stuff like that with our peer group. And then we, I went to seminary. Hardly ever missed seminary. You know, started in the ninth grade, and we went through the senior, and I took the extra year in seminary, and we studied the. Or, you know, the Gospels, and just like about everybody else did. And we had some good seminary teachers. I remember Brother Bean and Brother Hibbert, which is Karen's older brother who taught us in seminary. They they studied the scriptures so much. And in 1964, they said they had a timeline when Christ was going to come and had a, uh, a fireside on it. Being interested, in, you know, everybody interested. They had to figure it out. He should come in uh, 1989. This is, these and, are your seminary teachers? Yeah. And they had a fireside on this? On a timeline when Christ was going to return. Wow. To, through the study of scriptures. Guess what? <laughs> they didn't. Uh, no man know it. They didn't know. But they had it figured out. and had all the scripture knowledge. And 
Really? Yeah. Wow, that is very interesting. Yeah. Both of them taught school. Very good teachers. Uh, one taught at Rick's College for years in the zoology department. And uh -huh. Brother Barry went on to... Uh, Raymond Barry went on to uh, become high school vice principal or something like that. But we had some good times together. Besides besides sports, was there any other extracurricular or any other activities well, scouts, you were in? Scouts. So, scouts. And then one thing that's kind of unusual, when I was about 16 years old, a lot of my friends and my cousins and stuff like that went to the other ward. So I used to go to two mutuals. I would oh, okay. uh, uh, go to my ward mutual, and then, then I would go to their mutual, ward's mutual. And that was kind of unusual, but we were all friends. Because of that friendship, I had uh, five other friends. We decided to call ourselves the Big, big Six. There's my cousin Richard Waite and my cousin Warren Huntsman and my third cousin Lauren Westensko and then Burl Anderson was the uh, stakes president's son and then we had uh, Gary Price and we ran around all the time with each other. Some of the other activities we it was kind of fun to do is my cousin Warren could drive. And they had this big uh, Volkswagen bus. And we used to pile into that. And then on Halloween one time, I was out to my uncle's place and I found a whole bunch of rotten eggs in a nest. So, so I uh, got this stocking hat and I put them all in the stocking hat. And the van, we could open up the side door and chuck these eggs at people. <laughs> And they were smelly. And we made one trip down Main Street, chucking eggs, and, and uh, we got pulled over by the police. <laughs> so I was, when I was walking back, uh, we, we were just having Halloween, you know. And when I was walking back, I took the eggs and I dropped them next to the, to the uh, telephone post. They didn't see me do it. So later on, we went back and got it. And uh, I uh, so hang on, you got pulled over, but it was unrelated to them pulling you over for the eggs, or did they pull no, you they over? No, they pulled us for the eggs. Oh, too. okay. We had tomatoes. We were throwing everything at everybody. <laughs> anyway, I had a, a a certain project I wanted to do. When I was uh, working for the state board of forestry, uh, we were up cut, cutting uh, timber one time, and we had a fall this big tamarack tree and uh, so the warden the system warden made a, a wrong cut on this tree uh -huh. he was only 22 years old he was I don't know he didn't know very much about forestry but anyway we were spotting the tree and we're going to fall it down down the down from us and we noticed the tree started to come back at he made his undercut wrong. So my friend, he dove in the pile of uh, brush. I took off and I was running up this trail. And uh, I think the still small voice told me that I should turn right. And as soon as I turned right, I heard a big thunder. Shook the ground and everything. And uh, I ran about a half mile up the trail and around back to the truck and my friend was just digging himself out of the brush. Going up the trail on one side, there was a kind of a cliff rock, and I thought I could dive, dive under it. But the tree started coming back at us, so I thought, no, I'll just run up, keep running up this trail. And my friend said the tree missed me about three feet. Wow. Because it was a tamarack, tamaracks don't have very many branches on it. You know, right. it looked right. like a telephone pole out in the woods. Anyway, they had a big investigation on that because he thought I was a goner. And if I didn't turn right when I felt it was a still small voice told me to turn right, I'd been dead. Wow. Yeah. And uh, another experience I had working for the Forest Service, maybe you want to hear about some of my fights? 
Sure, I'd lo- I would love to. <laughs> well, when I left Brazoria, it was a pretty tough school, and we, we had uh, some pretty good fights over there. But when I got to, to Willow School, you know, I was 11 and 12 years old. I had kind of proved myself, you know, to make sure people didn't pick on me. So one of the main guys came over and he was giving me a bad time. I, for some reason, I grabbed him by a hand. I just did a flip with him and he flipped over and hit his back. And, and uh, it was during the PE class, so they kind of left me alone. They thought, wow, that guy knows who it's karate. <laughs> I really did. I got lucky. <laughs> I didn't know karate, but the way I flipped him, it looked like it did. So I was kind of then, and then the, the guy heard, his name was, uh, he was a year older than I. Anyway, he wanted Miller. He wanted to fight me, so I grabbed him and I threw him down and put a headlock on him. And so that was about as much fighting that I did over there as the sixth grader. The, uh, I wouldn't let people pick on me. So when I went to junior high, there was a couple of people that wanted to come up and pick a fight. I was fairly big for my size. Yeah, but I look, maybe he looked like a patsy, though. So one time, this guy, kid by the name of Jimmy Wise, he was a kind of like a weasel. Anyway, he wanted to come up and call me names. And anyway, got in a fight with him, fist fight. And I remember slugging the brick wall at the, at the junior high and took all the skin off my hand. I didn't think that was very cool. But anyway, he still wanted to fight me. So one day, he caught me before school and we went down to about a half mile from the school, and we got over in this little area that uh, had a hill and a bunch of trees and grassy spot down there. And so we started to fight, and we fought all morning. And I wanted to get to school, and he wanted to fight. So I, I was so much bigger, and I took him down and just pounded him. And then he'd get up, and he'd try to tackle me by the leg. He says, we're not going to school. I wanted to go to school, so uh, I never missed school in my life. Anyway, we fought the whole morning, and then I went back to school. He kind of left me alone after that. But uh, people found out that I liked to fight. I didn't really like to fight. I just liked to protect myself. So some of the people would come up, and there wasn't much of a fight, and I'd just pop them. I learned how to fist fight. And I could protect myself. And finally, uh, in the ninth grade, I was walking home. I was taking a track, and I was throwing a javelin. Another guy was throwing the javelin with me. And we got in an argument who could throw the javelin for farthest. And it was kind of silly. And, I, and he said, I want to fight you. Wait. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to fight. Anyway, he said, yeah, let's go fight. And as soon as I heard... We were with a group of kids, and they heard fight, 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 fight. Then we got down. There's a place across the tracks, and it was kind of a green area, and he wanted to fight me. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to fight. But they had 20 kids around us by then, some of my cousins and stuff like that. So I kind of squared off with him, and you know, like boxing. And I remember we kind of just kind of dodged each other a little bit, but he threw up the first punch. And he missed. And so I hauled off and I slugged him in the chest really hard. He says, oh, you really want to fight? And I said, well, yeah. He threw another punch and I ducked. And when I came up, I come up with my, uh, my right hand and I caught him like this. My knuckle caught his uh, eye and blood spurted and he went down and, and didn't think it. We were on our way home. It'd be in spring break. We didn't think about it. So I didn't ever think about the fight after that. But a week later, we went back to school. And uh, as I walked into shop class, I got a note saying the principal wants to speak to you. Oh, you know, we all kind of joked around. I go to the principal's office. I got there, and there's about five or six adults sitting in this room with the principal and the vice principal and the counselor and the policeman and maybe two policemen. Wow. And they called me in. I said, what about this fight you had with Jerry Rowan? I said, wasn't much of a fight. He swung, and then I swung, and then he swung. And 
and I swung and hit him in the, in the, above the eye. I thought it was above the eye. He said, no, he's in the hospital. He's been in the hospital the whole week, and uh, he's been blinded. And uh, they wanted to know who's going to pay the insurance. And uh, the counselor was a good friend with my dad. The vice principal was uh, President uh, Bishop White at the time. It turned out to be state president later on. But uh, I just said I was trying to protect myself. He says, well, we were wondering who's going to pay for the insurance. And... Uh, so I went, he said, you need to go over and see, he's in, over at the hospital, you need to go over and visit. So I went over and talked to him. He wasn't too happy to see me. You went and said, talked to this guy that you fought? Yeah, Jerry Rose. Okay. I felt bad that I hurt him that bad. And I guess he went home with Jimmy Peck, who lived next door, and they rushed him to the hospital. He said, I wouldn't keep stopping bleeding. That wow. I, I felt bad that I did it, but. I had another friend named Dewell Eldridge. He was—he had a that I grew up with, just the street over from me. But he was so rough, and uh, he was kind of tough. I should wait until you do my younger years. But I grew up with Dewell and Danny Eldridge, and they were his uh, grandfather owned a big slaughter plant, and we used to. Walked a couple miles out to the slaughter slaughter uh, slaughter plant to get wieners, so I enjoy wieners, hot dogs, and, and we used to get a whole handful of that, many as we want, but we used to <laughs> grab a handful. But on the way out to the plant one day, I I was probably in the third or fourth grade. I had to go to the bathroom, so I went over and peed on this box car and. A couple of weeks later, I, my dad was driving up to the dump for, for a load that we had to go to the dump because we didn't have, you know, dump trucks come around. But my dad leaned over and said, hey, I saw you pee on the boxcar. <laughs> yeah, and I said, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Union Pacific, you pee. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> kind of a funny story. But anyway, I was, I was left alone, but dual... Uh, when he was a sophomore, they took him to the edge of La Grande and told him never to come back. They were just mean. They just, but I was always a good friend with, with Dual Eldridge, and he always, uh, in the first grade, we always, they had a, what they call a, a smoker. In first grade, we put on these big 16-ounce gloves and go fight. And his dad was always a referee. He always lost the rule, but. I could whip him. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, do you um, do you have any memories, like anything that stands out that are like, this was a really happy time in my life. This was a period of time in my life that I just really loved. Well, one thing that I always liked being in the Grand. The nearest temple was was Idaho Falls uh -huh. or uh, Mogan Temple, and the new baptisms we had to have to you know, rent a bus and go down there for the, the day and sometimes the night coming back, you know. But, you know, they used to do 30 or $40 that they would ask us. And one time we had a little barn. My dad wanted it painted. So I made a deal with my dad. He put up the $30 by paint the barn. Uh-huh. I think I painted about half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so did you still get the $30? Yeah, he still gave me the money so I'd go on this temple excursion. And it was kind of a happy time because we went with a group of friends and and we had a good time. And it's more more of a spiritual trip and sang songs and stuff like that on the way down there. We went to Idaho Falls a couple times and Logan a couple times when I was growing up for our uh, baptisms of the dead. And uh, some of the other things we had, uh, we, I like to swim, so we had a, a swimming pool across the valley called Cove, and uh, we had a lot of uh, mutual parties over there that we went swimming and did a lot of things, then had some eats afterwards and stuff like that, but that was always fun. Uh, let's see, uh, 
I didn't have too many problems in life. Uh, my parents treated me good. Of course, I was, wasn't a perfect child. <laughs> Made mistakes and stuff like that. But I remember one time I got mad and I was going to run away from home. But <laughs> I think I got out a little past the driveway and then I came back and thought, I don't have a bad life. I'm, I don't want to run away. <laughs> Another time I made a mistake. Uh, I learned how to make bombs out of a shotgun shell. Uh huh. And that's where you take out all the shot and put a pheasant feather in it, uh -huh. then throw it in the air and come down, hit the road and explode. Wow. So I was out in our barn. I was just messing around out there and I threw this. But we taped a marble on, on the end of the shotgun shell. Okay. And then we'd throw it in the the primer would hit the marble and should go off. I remember out there I had a 12 gauge shotgun shell. I threw it down. It went off and came back and hit me in the leg. About about to kill my leg. But it got bruised and it ripped open the skin. But hit my eyes. Decided not to do that anymore. <laughs> do you have uh, any memories of like an embarrassing moment or anytime you got that something was really embarrassing to you? Well, uh, let's see, embarrassing moment. One time I was on my paper route and going home, and it was really cold out, outside. And I had to go to the bathroom real bad. By the time I got my paper route done, I wet my pants. I was embarrassed, and they didn't want to tell anybody. But it froze my pants. It was so cold. <laughs> and nobody noticed it was wet. That was embarrassing to me. Let's see. Any other embarrassing moments? Do you have any times in your life that were, like, any sad times in uh, high school or anything you can remember, things that were sad to you? Well, one time, uh, some kids uh, wrapped the car around a tree and killed them. Yeah, it was kind of sad to, to go to the funerals. And someone, stuff like that. someone that you knew. Yeah, people we knew and stuff like that. And that was always a sad period of time. And let's see. Most of my life, I've been pretty happy. Yeah, I, from knowing you, I would, yeah. I would believe that. And uh, I, I had uh, some good friends. You know, I ran around with some good friends. I always had good. You know, we hardly ever got in trouble. But once with that Warren Huntsman's bus, uh, we'd go out and pull up the people out necking or something like that and pull up behind them with their lights and flash them. And we were big guys, so they never bothered us. And Alvin, uh, we pulled up one guy who was going to go out and beat the tar out. He's a strong guy, so we kind of took off. They followed us. <laughs> but uh, we would, uh, one thing I had a good sense of was I could be dropped off anywhere in the Grand or the Valley. I, tell, I could tell exactly where it was because uh -huh. of the mountains and stuff. So I never was lost or felt I was lost. Do you remember, um, do you remember any, like, um, any of the major world events that were going on while you were in high school and how they impacted you? Yeah, one of the most shocking things was is when I was a senior, I just come out of shop and President Kennedy was shot. And it just shocked all of us. That was about 11 o'clock, so it would be about 12 o'clock their time in Dallas. But it was shocking that I found out that President Kennedy was assassinated. And we took the rest of the school off that day and I remember a lot of the girls were crying, you know, really have taken it really tough. Uh, personally, I kind of like President Kennedy. I found out later he's a womanizer and did a lot of things that he, you know, as as president. And I kind of followed, followed his father. I told uh, my uh, father-in-law, Joe Eisen, that I kind of like Kennedy. He was telling me how he's a womanizer and I was sticking up for Kennedy. I wish I'd had that conversation now. I knew better. <laughs> but that was really shocking to us as that happened. Also, in the springtime, I don't know if you know uh, Art Bell. You ever heard of his program? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had an earthquake up. I was listening. To, uh, I had this little 
transistor radio that I could listen to, and they had a uh, an earthquake up there in Alaska, and it was a pretty heavy one. I mean, like eight point two or eight point one. Anyway, there was a lot of damage done in Anchorage and stuff like that. And it was kind of interesting to listen to the reports coming in. Another thing, uh, when I was a senior in high school, uh, in April, I just turned 18 when I in March, they came to our stake because we were going to build a new stake center. They asked for work missionaries uh, to go on a work mission and whoever wanted to, and I wasn't quite ready to go to college, and I decided I'd go on a work mission. So I put in my application. They needed a half a dozen work missionaries missionaries because they were going to use work missionaries to come to our stake and build our stake center. So I didn't think I was ready for college, so I went on a work mission when I was 18 to, to uh, Canada. And down in Lethbridge, Diamond City, Alberta, we were putting an addition, which was a great experience. Cool. I'll have to, I'll want to dig into that with you later on yeah. uh, with your work mission. Um, I think the last thing I'm curious about is, is there anything that stands out with your like family life during um, that high school, junior high period? Anything going on in the house? or? Yeah, there's several things we did together as a family. My dad had a what they call an annual pass. We could get on the train anytime and ride it free. And that's when they had a lot of trains going through and uh, the passenger trains and stuff like that. So I remember one time we went to L.A. on the train. That was quite a long ride. I remember stopping because we could sleep on the train and, and uh, do things. And I remember my dad bought a big limousine and we went on a tour of uh, Hollywood and uh, while you're in LA, you yeah. guys you guys rented out a limo. Yeah, <laughs> and then awesome. we stopped in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas wasn't very big at that time, right? And one thing that we did as a family every year we did something like we'd go to Oregon coast or we'd go to Bend or or some place. My dad loved to fish, so he always fished. And we always played in the sand when we went to coast. Another thing, when I was a junior in high school, uh, they had the World's Fair up in Seattle, and that's when they built the, the Space Needle. And we got Pullman cars, which Pullman means sleeper cars you can sleep in. Mm -hmm. And they, we rode the train out there, and we asked, put it, they put it in Seattle, and then from there we could walk to the World's Fair. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool, and uh, see different things. And then uh, years later, when I was married to Laura Don, we went to uh, Spokane had the World's Fair too expedition. They call it. And we went to that, and it was kind of a good time to see that. And I remember just getting off my mission. And I talked to the Russian people about the church, and the, they didn't really understand anything about God or. But it was interesting talking with them. But uh, another time we uh, go on a train. Uh, my friend Dennis Cooper, his dad also worked for the railroad, and uh, we decided to get on the train and go down to a basketball game in the Dallas. And we figured out a schedule where where we'd go to the game, and then afterwards we'd come back and ride. And that was oh. 200 miles or something like that it was kind of a fun trip that we rode the train and came back. And I think my cousin, my what's it, Stu, Alan Wade, but I'm not sure, can't remember. I know Dennis Cooper went with us. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we did a lot of things as a family. A lot of church activities, a lot of reunions, you know, we had a reunion every year. Always being active in church, we always did things and enjoyed things. We went down to Riverside Park quite often and I had a lot of good memories. Some of my first memories in my life were down at Riverside Park and uh, it was fun. Cool. So the last question I have for you is uh, for anyone that's listening, you'll have grandchildren. Somebody will probably have great grandchildren listening to these recordings. 
what uh, what's some what advice would you give to kids that are going to high school right now? I'd say, in my own life and experiences, I'd say stay to the, close to the church, find out if it's true or not, and then gain a testimony. I know a lot of missionaries went out in the mission field and said they went out there to gain a testimony. It seemed like I had been blessed that I always had a testimony how important the church can be in your life. Now, I had friends who were not members of the church, but they, they their family life, their, the way they were brought up was pretty rough, you know. Some of the children got uh, on drugs. Some of the people... Uh, it just breaks up your family life. But when you're close to the church and follow the teachings of the church and gain a testimony of Joseph Smith, that's pretty important in a person's life because it's an ideal way of life. Uh, if you live the word of wisdom and not get hooked in the, on the alcohol, and now I see it out in the prison system that I volunteer at, if you do three things, don't get on alcohol, don't get on drugs, and if you have an anger problem, kind of control it, because when people lose their anger, do stuff they wish they wouldn't, you know, throw a hammer or hit somebody or kill somebody, they have to go to prison for that. And I say, that's very important to control your anger. But keep till close to the church that has great teachings and a great way of life, and I think I've lived most of the time that great way of life. Thanks, Dad. That all you need to know? Yep. Hey, everybody. This is Jackson, and I'm in wrestling just like my grandpa Wade. I love wrestling because it gives you an opportunity to compete, and you can't rely on the backs of team members. It's completely up to you how well you do. And it just really shows you how to work hard. Thanks, Grandpa Wade, for always being there to encourage us and help us to do our best. I hope everybody has a great day and a great Thanksgiving.